Welcome to the Mudhorn Clan cast on the Fangirl Zone. I am Beskar Dave. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and today we're talking about episode one of season one of Obi-Wan Kenobi, titled Part One. <laughs> Who knew? Written by Joby Harold, Hassan Amini, and Stuart Beatty, and directed by Deborah Chow. Hardworking Deborah Chow. Yes. <laughs> Aren't you Sith Lord, Steve? <laughs> Darth Tantrum? Yeah. <laughs> we'll All right, what did everyone think? You can go first, Sean. Sean Iwani. Johnny Wan Kenobi. Yes. (laughs) I liked it because it immediately drew me in. But I will tell you when we're (laughs) the Darth Tantrum thing is real because what the hell is this? Although I was just like tiniest, tiniest bit disappointed that when we got the flashback, we didn't see in like a background Grogu's carriage or something. (laughs) I was like, come on, show me the carriage float past or something. Oh, like tie it all together but i thought that was interesting so yeah this first episode grabbed me and pulled me in right away so thumbs up thumbs up yeah it absolutely did a little surprising i guess to see obi in the shape he's actually in in this episode you know i guess 10 years will kind of do that to you but it definitely has a picard feel to it because (laughs) picard had all that stuff buried deep so we'll see how he is when we get to the end of this season. So, but yeah, great episode to start. I'm sure he'll have the, the hair and beard trimmed by the end. Back to his yes. little glory. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're not rating it, but if we did, I would give it four out of five stinking Kenobis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it too. Yeah, good show. It's drawn in. I, I was a little sad to see him so sad. Right. And beat up working in a fish farm or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to figure out what that farm. was. Sarlacc. Oh, see, we were thinking that was the same type of animal from Mandalorian, the same type of, like, crazy big yes. sandworm, sandworm uh, Beetlejuice, but you guys know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was a little confused at some of the characters, especially Inquisitors. I'm like, hey, isn't he dead? But we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I, th- I think we all agreed that we like this, so how about we jump in? Sure. So, episode one, part one. Really detailed title, obviously. <laughs> when agents of the Empire pose a new threat, Obi-Wan Kenobi emerges after years of hiding. Yeah, yeah, looking a little ragged, but he was there. Yep. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, part one surprisingly opens with the recap, which does make a lot of sense thus far. The series touches closest to the Star Wars movies than others, in live action at least. After recapping the events of the prequel trilogy as they pertain to Obi-Wan, the episode still has some setup to do before catching up with our titular hero. The episode proper starts in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. We see younglings training as Order 66 is being executed. The Jedi Master does a remarkable job protecting them as they run for escape, though she does not make it and dies. The group of younglings do survive, and one must assume there will be some sort of payoff for this down the road. <laughs> Seems it that better way. be at least. <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, I was really excited that we got a little of the backstory to see what's going on with the younglings. But at the same time, it's like, come on. <laughs> well, where's all of the adults? Like, you're telling me none of the adults could take out these stormtroopers, or at least some of them? I mean, I know this Jedi Master did, but, like, I don't know. I feel like 
your Jedi masters. You can do more than just like, I took out like 10 and now I'm done. It's not like they're ganging up on you and half time they can't even hit the side of a barn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All they needed was Luke to be there and Order 66 would have been over right then. Uh, <laughs> it was cool wasn't seeing all the lightsabers in the background. Even oh, yeah. Did. That wide shot was amazing with the kids <laughs> running down the middle of the, the area and you see on both sides battles going on. It was awesome. Yeah, I ca- in my notes I call that chaos fighting. They always do that in Star Wars. Like there's tons going, even in space, there's tons going. You don't even know where to look. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Were either of you, I have to ask this, a little disappointed that we didn't get some kind of flashback, even if it was just on like Obi-Wan's face. So you hear stuff that happened from the animated because so much happened to bring it to where it is. I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was really... Besides that one little clip, I think, in The Mandalorian, this is really the most we've seen of the attack on Coruscant. So, hard to know what's missing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd ask. So, ten years later, now caught up with the timeline, Obi-Wan Kenobi will probably be set in. We arrive on Mos Eisley Spaceport on Tatooine. A ship arrives with a Grand Inquisitor, third sister, a.k.a. Reva, and the fifth are hunting Jedi. I don't know, have you guys seen that the third sister could be that youngling that survived at the beginning of the show i was just assuming that it probably was right yeah, yeah i think so she seems to have a grudge oh big one big time <laughs> they make their way to a cantina but not the cantina where the grand inquisitor monologues about the jedi saying at one point jedi cannot help what they are their compassion leaves a trail wow the jedi code is like an itch he cannot help it Reva is a bit impatient and decides to act on what her boss is saying, throwing a knife at the owner to have the Jedi reveal himself. Who may or not have been one of the younglings previously seen to survive, uses the force to stop the knight from killing his friend. The Jedi gets away as we learn that Reva has a fixation on a higher profile target, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, a fixation that's like stalkery is all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you realize that fifth brother was... Soon King from Fast and Furious. No. <laughs> like, I did not even realize that was him. It took me yeah. for a while. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That was. I was like, what? Well, and Rupert Friend as the Grand Inquisitor. I yeah. totally unrecognizable. Right. Because I have seen his picture and people talking about him, and I'm like, who the hell is that? Because <laughs> looking at this, no, no idea. <laughs> yeah. It was so I mean, kudos because obviously that means the makeup is amazing yeah but that was just like who is that and then our surprise cameo which we'll talk about later which i right yeah (laughs) i'm sure everybody knows what i'm talking about but before we get there let's talk about the simple life of ben kenobi boy that sounds so soothing and like it would be (laughs) except it's not i do have one complaint though before we get to that the shadow from the inquisitor's ship i don't know that just looked so fake like normally they do such a good job and that one just looked so bad i don't know why but anyway let's talk about the simple life little did the inquisitors know that their high profile target happens to be on the same sandfield planet as they are right now he's off working for meager wages as a butcher of sorts where you can see this is not the same kenobi from the prequel film because he is such a good actor he aged 10 years just (laughs) the part yeah. <laughs> he is super beaten down from the events from 10 years ago. And 
His order has been cut down. His best friend, no, his brother, had turned to the dark side. Kenobi forced to cut him down himself and leave him for dead on Mustafar. When the injustice happens at the end of a shift, this version of Kenobi can't bring himself to help. I was wondering what was going to happen there. Right. But if he reveals himself, Luke could be in danger. Kenobi lives a simple life in a cave with few allies and fewer friends in New Hope, so... Right. <laughs> like, dude, you've been there 10 years. Do you have something to sit on, or are you just sitting on rocks? It looks pretty comfy to me for a cave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got his, what was that, an Eopi? Mm-hmm. That weird camel-ish kind of animal? That, yep. Is he feeding that the meat, or is he eating it himself, yeah. or both? No, he gives it to his Eopi. Okay. Yep. Doesn't say like that. And how he, he cooked get was caught, I don't know, <laughs> right? And then I, I did happen to notice like the pieces keep getting bigger. At one point, it's gonna be like, forget yeah. I'm digging this whole hunk. Yeah, the EOP helps him travel the desert planet, and well, uh, there's Tika, his Jawa acquaintance, who acts as a fence for the former Jedi to buy miscellaneous parts and gadgets, including a T16 Skyhopper toy for little Luke. Which I did not realize was the same one we, well, not necessarily, but we do see Luke kind of playing with that toy in New Hope because yep. Jason was adamant and he had to find the screenshot. <laughs> Tika also shows off a recent item that was acquired, the belt of a Jedi. So immediately I was thinking that the Jedi we've seen in the cantina is dead because it's like, oh yeah, we took it Right, over. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yikes. But Kenobi seems to uh think really hard as he looks over everything and holding the belt but he concludes that his business with the jawa is over well almost because it turns out that the jawa had taken a part out of his what was (laughs) out of one of his machines and he's like if you're gonna steal and sell it back at least clean it up yeah I love, and I'm sorry, I love the Jawa saying, oh, you should have got some soap. You stink. I'm waiting for him to have some soap for him next episode. <laughs> but back to the belt. It seems to have triggered something in Obi-Wan as his nightmares of the past, his regret and despair awaken him. He does call out for his master Qui-Gon Jinn for guidance, but we get nothing. So it makes me wonder, has he been able to communicate with them all this time or not? Doesn't look good. No. no, it doesn't. I don't think so. Yeah. And that's yeah. really uh, odd. Yeah. He hasn't given up. It's like, has he hidden away so much of his Jedi self that he can't reach him yet? That's what I'm that's starting to wonder very what's possible. happening. Yeah, that's very possible because we've seen him and Yoda appear. So, Well, maybe yep. in another 10 years when he's <laughs> aged about 50 in that time, right. he'll finally get there. Man, <laughs> I don't think he looks that place. bad. He- he gets a lot of jokes on yeah. his age. I think it looks pretty good, considering yeah. he stinks. <laughs> yeah. Well, the time of the Jedi is over. Kenobi journeys across the sands of Tatooine and perches atop a cliff to keep an eye on Luke Skywalker, who is being cared for by Owen and Beru. He leaves Luke a gift after nightfall, the toy he obtained from Tika. As the former Jedi is presumably heading back home, it senses he's being watched. Nari, the Jedi who escaped the Inquisitors earlier in the episode, reveals himself to Obi-Wan. The Jedi Master tries to brush him off by saying his name is Ben, but Nari refuses. So he gets off the Opie and tells him he has to leave. He suggests burying the lightsaber in the desert and to go into hiding. 
Kanari questions these actions. What about the fight? Kenobi states that it's finished. The Jedi lost. Boy, he really is. Yes. <laughs> Down a deep hole. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see Darth just rubbing his hands together going, Ooh, <laughs> this is going to be good. I can get him now. <laughs> rubbing his hands but not crossing his legs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to a world that couldn't be any more different than Tatooine. Alderaan, a young lady is getting dressed by servants. Breha Organa walks into the room and is surprised that the girl standing there isn't her daughter, a mischievous child. Leia Organa is off running through the woods somewhere else. She eventually settles to stare at the ships coming and going, talking with her little droid friend Lola. L-O-L-A. Lola. <laughs> <laughs> eventually, Breha and the guards find Leia and bring her home. Leia apologized. Yeah, you can take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. <laughs> and says, it won't happen again, that too. And all, with all honesty, you'd expect from Princess Leia. Meanwhile, a sinister figure observes from afar without his guitar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> After another day at work, Kenobi goes to his Ethiopian to town, where Owen finds him and tosses the toy he left for Luke at his feet. I was like, oh crap. Yeah. That was a little mean. But yes, he snuck was. up on him. So now <laughs> it's like, all right, what's going on here, Kenobi? Because. I mean, have you forgotten everything with the Force? This seems really weird. Somebody can sneak up on you. We'll see later that, well, right, that Reva can't even sense. In there, yeah. Yeah, can't sense uh, anybody. Well, yeah. maybe in the second episode, seems to work a little better for her, but boy, she's looking for him. She can't even sense him. Yeah. He really shut himself off. I guess. Owen wants Ben to keep his distance from the boy. Kenobi asks Owen if he's all right. But the moisture farmer sees right through the Jedi's interrogation. Kenobi wants to know if the boy has yet shown signs of being a Force-sensitive little youngling. He reminds Owen that Luke needs to be trained when the time comes. And that's when Owen's comeback that we see in the trailer hit. And yike, that was painful. Yes. Like you trained his father. Anakin is dead. Brew and I won't let you make the same mistake twice. Oh. Yeah. Should have force joked him. What'd you say yeah. to me? <laughs> I was just like, damn. Yeah, that was brutal. And as Owen walks away, the Inquisitors continue their hunt for the Jedi in Tatooine, attempting to intimidate the locals, going as far as chopping off a woman's hand. That was kind of a shit move. Like, oh, <laughs> no, let me tell you everything now that you cut off my hand. Right. Yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> There's a lot of hand cutting in Star Wars. <laughs> I feel like. We're going way back, yeah. But Reva then focuses her attention on Owen, who is attempting to blend in. But he wasn't doing a great job. I don't know about you guys, but... Yeah, no. He looked suspicious, so it didn't surprise me. He was yeah, the cleanest surprise. one there, too. <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> even the pod dog me. agrees. Yeah. Reva went after him. When she questions him about potentially hiding a Jedi, he says that he has no love for them. That they're vermin, and he kills vermin on his farm. And then the third sister believes him? Yeah, I'm <laughs> not. That way, because, eh, quite frankly, it doesn't sound like he's lying, but she turns her attention back to the town folk and then threatens Owen and his family with death until the crowd tells her where the Jedi is. Well, that's great, but you know what? You're going to kill everybody? Nobody knows anything? They're going to just, it's going to be like a witch hunt. They're going to be like, uh, that one. Yeah, exactly. Reva raises her lightsaber to Owen's throat as Kenobi watches from afar, but Fifth's brother pops up and he's urging her to stand down. 
He then chastises her for her rashness in her pursuit of Obi-Wan, whom they've been looking for for ten years. <laughs> it's like, listen, kid, you need to chill. It's been ten years. What makes you think all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going to pick this random planet. He's going to be here. You're right. <laughs> of all places, Tatooine. Right. <laughs> well, Leah joins Bria and Ball to meet their family as they arrive on the planet after being herded inside to get dressed. Princess is already showing signs of wanting more out of life than being a princess or senator. She also has no problem standing up for herself and putting her cousin in his place when he mocks her for not being a genuine Organa. That I was like awesome. I like her little attitude there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> Later, as they discuss Leah's future as a senator, Ball states unequivocally that she's an Organa in every sense. Even though their conversation seemed to go well, Leia was still told to apologize to her cousin for the way she spoke to him. Naturally, Leia opts for adventure and runs off into the woods again. Yeah, I wouldn't apologize either, little shithead. No. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes across Vect, who is flanked by two others. Despite the princesses doing a great job at running and trying to lose these kidnappers, they track her down and apprehend Leia. Can we just take a moment? We sure. We have a little 10-year-old running, and these adults can't touch her. Right. <laughs> she was yeah. getting into every small place she yeah. could find, and that was awesome. <laughs> but when they're on just the path, it's like, dude, you guys got longer legs than her. Right. But I do have to and say, the fact that we got to see Flea cracked me up. Yes. It just looks like he fits so well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's revealed that Reva planned the kidnapping in hopes that it would bring Obi-Wan out of hiding. A gadget inside Kenobi's cave beeps back on Tatooine. It features a hologram from Ball and Bria informing him of Leah's kidnapping. Former Jedi refuses to assist them, say what? And he is unable to depart because of his obligation to Luke. Ball argues that Leah is just important and he doesn't trust anyone other than the Jedi to get his daughter back. Kenobi reiterates that he's no longer the man Ball once knew. I thought that man, was interesting. Man, that was ripping your heart out. <laughs> It was surprising to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, I get that Bria really wouldn't have a whole lot of effect because he didn't know her as well. But the fact that he'd been pretty much side by side with Bale through this whole thing. Right. I think he's just assuming that at that point, Leia wouldn't have any sensitivity, I guess. Right. Wouldn't but be showing any signs of being force right. sensitive. But that's a little chauvinistic. They assume yes, that, uh, it is. Luke that, would have it. That's what I'm thinking, 100%. But it was just like, what the heck? I was just so surprised, I will tell you that. So, Kenobi returns to town after another day at work to discover Nari dead and strung up in the middle of the town for all to see. Yeesh. He then, he trussed up. He, then he finds Ball waiting for him in his cave. The senator informs him that Leia is on her way to die. She's going to die, you. Yeah. <laughs> the former Jedi warns him once again that he is no longer the man he once was. Baal manages to persuade Kenobi, who sets out into the sands in search of a long-forgotten memory, a box containing his and Anakin's lightsabers. After that, he boards a ship, leaving Tatooine for Dayu. So, dun, dun. <laughs> who do we think killed Nari, then? Do you think it was supposed to be the Inquisitors at that point? Or do you think, like, the townspeople found him and they're like, screw this, and did it themselves? Like I said, witch hunt-ish. Boy. Entirely possible, because I, I think, uh, well, if it was Reba, she would just start hacking and chopping. She doesn't seem oh, to care. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was I don't thinking. think she would have, yeah, you'd have seen him in a pile of bits. 
<laughs> in the street. Yeah. <laughs> See if you can force assemble yourself after that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh yeah, Bale's just hanging out in the cave. It's like, I'm sorry, my address was not listed. How did you find me? Right. And I love the little <laughs> droid that comes up out of the sand and gives him the, the red light instead of the yeah. green light. Somebody's yeah. inside. And I really thought it might have been Reva waiting for him in there instead of it being Ball. Mm. <laughs> uh, I think close. that would have been way too soon. Yeah. Well, after we what we see in the second episode, yeah, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, I just want to ask you guys, too. I know the day is changing when, when it's going to drop, but because it wasn't dropping till 2 a.m., well, at least my time, 2 a.m., were either of you mad that they dropped it super early the day before? <laughs> because I was like, all right, I'll just get up early and watch it. It's fine. And then turns out they dropped it like eight hours earlier or something. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I was so mad. Me and like probably a million or so other people who wanted to watch it right away. Yeah, you have to be careful that they, all these streamers do that off and on. Yep. Messing with us. Yes. Yep. <laughs> if I was only a little more force sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think we got a few Easter eggs. It might have been a couple. In this one. <laughs> Enough <laughs> for all three of us. <laughs> yeah. So Obi-Wan Kenobi shows more of Order 66. Did we Did we want to see more? I guess we did. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi's Disney Plus premiere opened with a flashback to the Jedi Temple Massacre from Star Wars Episode Three: The Revenge of the Sith. A previously unseen Jedi called Minas Velti dies valiantly protecting a class of younglings from the clone trooper onslaught. Palpatine's Order 66 command can be heard echoing in the background. The scene adds another tragic perspective to the Jedi Purge. I was thinking about what you said earlier, Sean. Like, can't you do a better job of defending yourself? But they never, they never see. I guess they just get overwhelmed. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. It, guess, it, that's from the little clip we saw in The Mandalorian. It seems like, yeah, there was like five or six on each Jedi there. So, yeah, yeah. They, they just it weren't, wasn't enough to. <laughs> and we, we've seen they don't care how many stormtroopers they go through either. They'll just keep sending those guys. Right. Yeah. yeah right after it. Yeah. I also felt like, how come the only way around this place are the giant hallways? It's like, really? There's not, like, an escape area or something? <laughs> right. <laughs> Safe room. <laughs> yeah, something. Some tunnels somewhere. Yeah, that would have been a good idea. No Hind one's going to attack us here. Hindsight. So I'm sure everyone noticed the youngling helmets from uh, Yoda's lightsaber class. The bulky helmets worn by Obi-Wan Kenobi's younglings in the flashback were previously seen on Yoda's lightsaber training session in Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. The idea is to enhance a Padawan's reflexes by limiting their sight and derived from Obi-Wan's first training session with Luke Skywalker on A New Hope. And we got some uh, interesting alien species and droids. Predictably, there are plenty of Obi-Wan Kenobi Easter eggs scattered in the form of familiar species and droids. Part 1 includes plenty of Jawas and red-colored R2 unit roaming Tatooine, while Kenobi himself rides on a EOP, first seen in Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Minutes. A scurrier appears, I Recognize that thing right away. Yes. <laughs> Appears on Obi-Wan as it crosses the street, and then uh, Breha Organa compares her to a daughter of Glorag, a creature from the Star Wars legend canon. Later in the episode, Leia thanks a silver protocol droid called Wyo. C3YO? I don't know. <laughs> While her father remembers chasing Purgil, a hyperspace creature from Star Wars Rebel, the feisty young Leia also admits she'd rather be digested by a jackal beast, which I laughed at. Yes. <laughs> which was first included in the Dawn Rebellion source book, then apologized to the obnoxious cousin. Soon she'll learn her force choking. Yes. The green pirate who helps kidnap Leia 
is seems to be a Pauline. You have to get out your dictionary to follow all these guys. Yes. Yeah, there was a lot all over, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. They're showing so many. I don't know what any of them are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we get a cantina now with a, a saloon on Mos Eisley. There's always a bar. Yes. <laughs> that's another thing that's, aside from Scurriers, they love their bars. When Rupert Friend's Grand Inquisitor rolls into Tatooine Saloon, demanding information on the local Jedi situation, most of the establishment's beverages are being drunk from chunky, translucent white Beaker cups. These props were first used in A New Hope, most memorably during the most Eisley Cantina sequence. Reva is Obi-Wan Kenobi's third sister, well, meaning the uh, show, not him. Yes. <laughs> after, after shaking down the saloon going awry, the Grand Inquisitor refers to his, his assistant Reva as the third sister in Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 1. Inquisitors are typically noted for, for their brother and sister titles in Star Wars Rebels, but trailer footage made Reva seem like an exception. I think we'll find that. Yeah, he he was saying it like it was a super He's insult. Good. Yes, every time, not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> to be second time, sister. Yeah, every time someone says sister on Star Wars, I think of James Earl Jones' voice. Yeah, <laughs> sister. <laughs> and we get the John Williams Force theme that, that strikes back. John Williams Force theme debuted in A New Hope and he evolved into one of the most famous compositions in Star Wars, nay, movie history for sure. Obi-Wan Kenobi's score plays tribute to Williams by incorporating strains and allusions to the Force theme, a slower, slightly altered rendition the first time Ewan McGregor appears, then a more familiar reposal towards the end of Obi-Wan rediscovers his heroism. Obi-Wan Kenobi's soundtrack is composed by Natalie Holt, who expertly weaves touches of old into the newness. And our little buddy Tika mentions a new hope, Anchorhead. Yeah, Anchorhead. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi smells funny, apparently. The Jedi Jawa friend... I wonder if this Jawa has a little romance going on in the future from the Mandalorian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Jedi Jawa's friend Tika says, I can smell you from Anchorhead. This Tatooine outpost known first mentioned in Luke Skywalker's A New Hope. Tika also named dressed the Dune Sea, mostly known for harboring Jabba the Hutt's infamous Sarlacc pit. Bum, bum, bum. Only one Kenobi's gift is from New Hope. Like I said, because <laughs> my husband was super, like, Focused on it. <laughs> after secretly watching Luke Skywalker through his, ah, uh, we're going to call them binoculars, because they're weird and I don't know what they were. <laughs> Looks like a cigarette case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. Obi-Wan decides to send the child a gift, not as bad as it sounds, and purchases a starship toy from Tika, the light-fingered Jawa. <laughs> I think we'll call them light-fingered Jawas from now on. Yeah. It's part, uh, part of his uh, appeal. <laughs> if the plaything looks familiar, there's good reason. It is the same one that we see Mark Hamill's character play, probably too old, um, Luke Skywalker playing with at the beginning of New Hope. Yeah, that was kind of weird, but I guess if you're bored. <laughs> Aside from the kids' toys and so stolen vaporator parts, Tika's salvaged wares include a Jedi lightsaber. These leather accessories were worn by most Jedi during Star Wars prequel era including Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Anakin. This particular garment was taken from the ship of Nari, a Jedi introduced in Obi-Wan's Episode 1, and apparently he didn't do so well, so... Yeah. Like Star Wars fans during the 2000s, Obi-Wan Kenobi is having nightmares about the prequel trilogy. <laughs> At least there's no Jar Jar. These flashbacks yeah. include the lightsaber battle on Mustafar, Anakin Skywalker, Breaking Bad, Kenobi's You Are My Brother Anakin line, and Qui-Gon Jinn's death. 
swashbuckling mission from episode two, Anakin's burning body. That was rough. Like, I didn't want to see it the <laughs> first time. Then it's worse. Yoda, Padme, the birth of the twins, and Jake Lloyd's young Anakin piloting a starfighter. Luke and Leia Skywalker, both mirror Anakin. Spying on young Luke from afar, Obi-Wan notices how like his father the child truly is. Luke wears pilot goggles, very similar to his wheezy old man, and plays around pretending to be the star fighter in the same optimistic way that little Annie did. It's like, oh, that is kind of sweet, but kind of not. <laughs> Creepy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, too, when Owen's like, look, look, where are you? And he just, like, runs around the other side of the building and climbs up. It's like, okay, he's not that far <laughs> away. Chill, dude. Where's he going? Yeah. <laughs> When Leia appears later in the episode, she is also preoccupied by the sky and ship, avoiding official functions to spot vessels flying to and from Aldron. Both kids continue the spirit of Anakin. And yeah, she's. I thought it was funny too when we do hear Brea like, ugh, it's like raising a boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kid. Burying lightsabers on Tatooine. <laughs> you can buy them too, I'm sure, somewhere. Foreshadows Ray. Obi Wan Kenobi meets. A fellow escape Jedi called Nari, who shows his lightsaber as proof of friendship. Uh, you know what? I don't know if that could be considered no. friendship. Just saying. <laughs> no. you know? Rivaling post-Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker, in terms of Jedi acting like dick, Obi-Wan advises Nari to bury the weapon deep in Tatooine's sand, and Part 1 later reveals that Kenobi did exactly this. The image of Anakin's lightsaber being consigned to the desert foreshadows the blade's ultimate fate when Rey buries it in Rise of Skywalker. Hmm. I did not realize that both were in there, and then I'm thinking, why would he take both of them with him, though? Right. So, maybe just me. Young Leia copies Padme's decoy trick. Well, I mean, it's kind of ingrained in them, I guess, at this point. Yes. In Episode 1, Phantom Menace, Natalie Portman's Padme Amidala uses a body double decoy to evade assassinations. With a handmaiden called, was it Sabe? I don't know how they pronounce it. I'm going to say Sabe. <laughs> I don't know. But it was played by Kira Knightley. Standing in for the Naboo Queen, it's like mother like daughter in the great Obi-Wan Kenobi's Easter egg as Leia asks young friend, possibly Paul-un, to take her place for a ceremonial event on Aldron. Because mom will think it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> The young Leia proffers two obscure Star Wars Easter eggs in Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 1, mentioning both Aquilian Rangers and Mercant Pirates. The Aquilian system was introduced in Star Wars lore by Han Solo in New Hope, but Aquilian Rangers were mentioned in an early Lucas script back when Luke's surname was still Starkiller. Yeah, that doesn't sound bad. Yeah, way back when. <laughs> The Mercen Rangers hail from 77 Star Wars comic books published by Marvel. Obi-Wan Kenobi foreshadows Leia's political future. Retrieving her daughter from the forest, Brea Organa tells Leia if you behaved as well as you climbed, you'd be a senator already. <laughs> Dang. This line foreshadows Leia's future in the Star Wars original and sequel trilogies where she's officially known as Senator Organa. Owen Lars' gift reaction borrows from Star Wars. Owen Lars is less than pleased about Obi-Wan's attempt to give little Luke a starship toy, throwing the unwanted gift at the Jedi's feet. This moment echoes a scene from Marvel's Star Wars comic book, specifically 2016's 
Star Wars Volume 2, Number 15, where Kenobi sends Owen supplies and equipment under the pretense of Jawa freebie. To gift aside, Owen blaming Kenobi for Anakin Skywalker's death in Part 1 broadly follows the same comic confrontation. The fifth brother uses a Mandalorian bounty disc. When Soon Kang's fifth brother slams down a bounty for Nari on a nearby Tatooine stall, the small projection disc is very similar to the devices used by bounty hunters like Din Djarin on the Mandalorian, even down to the red writing. I'm surprised they didn't call him Pucks. Yeah. <laughs> and C-3PO and R2-D2 make Obi-Wan Kenobi cameos. During the Organos party on Alderaan, a shiny golden protocol droid can be spotted chatting to guests in the background. That's a superpower. Yes, <laughs> this is almost certainly our old friend C-3PO as the festivities begin to wind down and Astromech identical to R2-D2 is then shown serving drinks to guests. <laughs> Following the Star Wars prequel trilogy, the iconic droid pairing accompanied Leia to Alderaan, so it makes sense they're loitering around the planet's royal functions. If it seems strange C-3PO and R2-D2 aren't together during this event, that's likely because the former's memories were white. <laughs> Leia's kidnapper is flee from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. When he's not slapping some bass for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Flea apparently kidnaps princesses for the Empire. <laughs> he did a good job, actually. Yeah, actually he did. The Organa's distress message copies Leia's from New Hope. With Leia taken by criminals, the Organas call upon Obi-Wan Kenobi for help. The distressed couple don't quite say, help us, <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. But the transmission isn't far off. I think the that message, would have been funnier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the message is intentionally close to Leia's iconic A New Hope recording in both its wording and delivery. Similar to how Spider-Man movies find various ways of recycling, with great power comes great responsibility speech. Did they ever. <laughs> Yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi's two lightsabers explain. Resolving to rescue Princess Leia after all, Obi-Wan Kenobi returns to the patch of desert where he buried his lightsaber and lifts the box from the sand, revealing two blades inside. You gotta give the man credit, at least he remembered where it was. <laughs> after ten years, I don't know if I would. <laughs> this is his own, the other belonged to Anakin Skywalker, and was evidently taken from Mustafar, after Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, a two-for-one Obi-Wan Kenobi Easter egg. <laughs> That's a lot. Yes, it is. All I, right. know, I, I dropped a rating earlier. Do you guys have ratings for this that you want to share? Or, or do you know? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, clear. <laughs> go ahead, Steve. You go first. I, I gave it three out of five Lola droids. <laughs> Little Lola. I will have to say four out of five. Jumping fleas. Ha ha ha. Jumping fleas. <laughs> I wonder how it did on uh, IMDb. Let me see if I can find that quickly. Yeah, it was, I want to say it was upper eights. Yeah. Episode two got an eight. Yeah. Huh. I think it's 8.2. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's good. Yeah. We'll take it. Oh, are they, oh no. Episode one is 7.9. Overall, it's an 8.2. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know Fred's out there pumping it up. Yes. <laughs> well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us as there are plenty of other Star Wars podcasts out there. 
tell your friends, and I hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. Because there's so many of them. <laughs> and you can check out our older episodes of Mudhorn Clancast over at www.fangirlzone.com. And there's a lot of them. I'm just saying, you know, check it out. Or if you're Star Trek fan instead, there's Captain's Share. But I digress. Head over to www.fangirlzone.com. Check out our contacts page with all the ways to get a hold of us because we're everywhere. You probably are already. So for this episode of the Mudhorn Clan cast. I'm Steve. What happened to you? You were once a great Jedi. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm just going to drink some blue milk and stay out of the cantinas. <laughs> this is Beskar Dave. I knew uh, an EOP once. He used to uh, show up as a kid in the sheriff's office in Mayberry. (laughs) (laughs) A lot more freckles back then. There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the fangirl zone.